0: You're listening to the Collab Talk Podcast, episode 80 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Office Apps and Services MVP Dan Usher. Hey, this is Christian Buckley with another MVP Buzz Chat, and I am here this morning, talking with Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Christian. How's it going, man? Hey, pretty good. And uh, for those that don't know, Dan Usher, the elusive Dan Usher. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Who you are? Where you work? What you do? All that stuff.
1: Sure. Uh, so first off, Christian, thanks for having me on the show. Um, who am I? That is a very good question. Uh, So I live in the greater D.C. uh, metropolitan area uh, in the Virginia side, which, for those of you that live in the area, uh, is the side that I think is a little more congested with traffic uh, and has no actual sports teams. So they're all up in uh, Maryland and D.C. But uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I work as a chief technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, It's a consulting firm in the D.C. metro area. Specifically for myself, I do more kind of the cloud architecture, operations, engineering uh, side of things, and that spans across productivity as well as uh, other workloads. So, if it's uh, folks working with SharePoint, Office 365, uh, or folks that are just trying to get out of their data centers to get up into a cloud hosted environment where either they can uh, save money and do things in a more burstable fashion or find themselves. maybe learning that cloud doesn't always save you uh doesn't always save you money that's a little bit about me
0: yeah that's it that's a um that's an interesting position that i've uh, gotten some flack for ha- holding that position uh from some microsoft salespeople that uh, didn't care for that but uh but that that's been my position as as well for uh as you know, I've been a huge advocate for hybrid. And my philosophy is move to the cloud when it makes sense to move to the cloud.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a, <laughs> uh, that is a crazy idea. I think right. uh, A lot of folks, they tend to look at pricing and uh, look at their workloads on premises and they go, wow, I spend X thousand dollars on servers and storage and all the people that manage it for me. Uh, and then they go look at what the costs are for kind of the major competitors out in the space, whether it be your Azure, your Amazon, your Google, uh, and they do that price comparison and they quickly jump to it and they say, let's move everything up. Uh, and then because they did a immediate quick turn, um, while things probably were pretty seamless to get up in the cloud, uh, folks aren't running scripts to turn their systems off, folks aren't you know, going through and optimizing things, and suddenly they realize there's a little bit more to it than just uh, just moving up. So, yeah, I'm with you 100% that uh, you do have to do things in a very uh, targeted fashion, and you can't just uh, shift everything up all at once.
0: Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting. I had this going back a few years, and I've I've talked about this in other interviews, but I, I did an uh, interview with a, a senior Microsoft executive, and he's moved up the, the ladder uh a few times, uh, Mr. Jared Spitaro, great guy. Um, But we were at the partner conference and uh, back in my Acceler days and my CEO, Mike Alden and I were meeting with Jared and kind of getting it, you know, sharing what's happening with our, you know, our ISV and our products. And, and, uh, and and so I asked him, I said, because all of the, this is back when Bomber was still, you know, CEO and, and asked him uh, you know well w- how quickly do you see the majority of production systems moving to the cloud and and he said two to three years and uh and so that was the we we i left and, uh well we, we got acquired in 2013 so this was i think summer of 2013 when that that happened and or 2012 sometime around there and uh and we said, well, our research and our customer uh, environments and we do migration software and administration, we think it's closer to probably seven to 10 years before we see a majority. And he laughed. And it's interesting. A year later, we met with Jared again and uh, some research had come out and some other data and Microsoft had started shifting their their marketing message toward uh, uh, more of the hybrid story. And he said, and he was a, uh, and I said, hey, you remember our conversation last year? And he says, yes, I do. I said, you remember what you said? He says, I believe I said two to three years. He said, and I said, what, well, and what are your thoughts now? He's like, well, this is, I think you know, the last year we've had a lot of research come in, we've had a lot of conversations with the enterprise clients, and we understand now that it's going to be a much lo- larger, longer journey for many organizations and that. I and I think even Teeper said in the research that you know Collab Talk did and, and we did for the community was that the uh the impact of hybrid was just much larger than what Microsoft ever thought that it would be. And and it's still it's it's fairly persistent. It's 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 stuck around. While you have I think even nowadays, you've got. I'm sure you see this with your customers as well. Organizations that are embracing new cloud technology, but they're still not moving off of a lot of these other on-prem environments. That it's a transition over time.
1: Yeah, the the transition is definitely something that is a a bit of a. I won't call it a time sink, um, but a bit of runway you've got to build out there. be able to get some of these things both from a people process side of things but also the technology so i think you know we can go and get uh uh, mpls line with express route connected up to a client site fairly quick um all the big uh, data providers network providers uh they know that that is their bread and butter and they love getting folks connected but then you know you get a connection connected and folks sit there and they go okay now i have to figure out Uh, now that we have it here, what do we do? And that takes a little bit of time, but I think, you know, to your point, um, those on-premises workloads uh, folks, and it comes down to more kind of that change management aspect of things and how the, the business reacts to it. Um, shifting a workload up into a cloud environment, you may gain, uh, incredible capability, uh, increased uptime and whatnot, but the moment that business user goes and, uh, that icon on their desktop has changed or something along those lines, um, that's a little bit of a change that takes some time for them to get used to or uh, if it's a critical workload that they uh, have to have, I won't call it zero downtime, but fairly low downtime. Taking that away for a weekend or a week, um, that could be fairly critical and have some ramifications with it that could be problematic. So then you have all the planning and coordination of, you know, when we uh when we flip lever A to quickly change DNS to repoint, um, what does that mean? So yeah, I, I agree with you that uh, two to three years it's probably on the aggressive side. Uh,
0: seven. I mean, 10. we've we've passed that time. What what he oh, uh, yeah, thought yeah. two years, we're we're well past that. But yeah. I, I think I I think it's, uh I think we were spot on saying seven to ten years. We're, we're we're on target with that now. But well, one thing I would say, Dan, is that in your experience because a lot of the concerns initially had less to do they weren't concerns about the functionality capability the change management aspect. We'll come back to that like but it was more about just overall security and compliance. Do you mm-hmm. think those concerns have dropped off? I think now that we've
1: got um so if you go out to like Microsoft Trust Center uh, or the Azure Trust Center and look at the security uh, compliance side of things they have gone uh, done their due diligence gotten the systems uh credited and compliant with regulation that exists uh so i think in that regard they have they've also you know if you go into your office 365 uh admin center and go to security i mean you can see how your system actually stacks up uh depending on which plan you have but you know you can you can see that right away as they're going through and doing the compliance check for you so i think. We have uh, made the turn around that corner. Um, Commercial organizations, they have their own compliance they have to perform. Um, If you go into that uh, compliance center, security center inside of Office 365, you see your commercial uh, compliance. If you have certain rules from a, a DOD or public sector perspective, same deal, Microsoft's already pre-baked a lot of that already into the system. So I feel like we've gotten past a good chunk of that. Um, I think really at this point, uh, it's not so much security accreditations, it's more um, you know, how quickly can we get a workload up without disruption. Um, early on, I definitely agree, it was uh, problematic of uh, folks who'd say meet where are you actually at with XYZ um, certification or accreditation? And in some cases it was still in process or it was uh, something very recently released. Uh, If you look back probably to the 2014, 2015 time period when the first sets of uh, accreditation certifications started to hit from more of a public sector perspective, I think that really started to open the door for folks to even have the conversation. So up to that point, uh, commercial businesses, sure they could jump in and quickly start making use of capability, but other segments of, uh, organizations just kind of sat on the sidelines waiting.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of the public sector stuff now, in fact, it's a fairly common question where you'll get the, uh, you know, the, the updates, the emails that come out a couple times a week from Microsoft, um, from Office 365, saying, "You know, hey, these new features and here's the new capabilities," and and I, you see that question pretty com, you know common. It's like, "Yeah, when's this available in the GCC? When is this available in my country?" Right. And uh, and it's so with with any of those. I, I don't know if you saw. I did a little uh, little meme where I, I called it uh, no Was it "nofo phobia? Oh. <laughs> it's not not for me phobia the no for me phobia it's the fear of receiving those updates getting excited about a new feature and then finding that that feature's not yet available on my tenant that's the Uh, phobia that i have
1: (laughs) yeah i think i mean to that point though even with uh you know you talk about the office 365 tenants and things rolling out over time uh i don't know if you know rima rays uh she's Uh on the the team's product team for government uh, and it's, it's kind of comical to see her, um, tweets out on Twitter just around, you know, Hey, this is now available in GCC and this is now available. Uh, so typically I see those and I kind of scratch my head and I'm like, yeah, you're right. That isn't around GCC yet. Is it hmm. okay. time to go back to that friendly service description and see where things are actually at or when they are projected to be ready. Uh, but yeah, there's that, um, that meme that you have that's. Characteristic, I think, of a lot of people that perhaps aren't in the U.S. Uh, just yeah. if you, well, caveat to that, I know Microsoft in some cases is you know taking a capability and said, you know what, let's deploy this out to Europe, and they'll put it out there, uh, well, they'll do test a little bit stuff,
0: of, and they'll do that in yeah. it as well. Well, that's yeah. that's why you know it's, and I don't want to sound like selfish, like it's not good enough, Microsoft. We need more information. <laughs> You know, but we used to always talk about like not having a clear picture of the roadmap. And they came out with the product roadmap site, and that, and you can now go in and, and uh, create you know agents on you know around uh, certain features and track specific features or or uh, hashtags uh, for product areas. There's a bunch of different ways you can consume that roadmap information, and and so that's part of the updates. You know, we're we're seeing this stuff, but I would love. I would love to see that stuff based on my tenant. So yeah. like if my update, if it, you know, like Microsoft knows what's in my tenant. So if the, if the AI goes and intelligent pulls from, Hey, here's what's available and only sends me the notifications based on what is currently available within my tenant, then I know to care. Cause what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm looking at my calendar over the other screen is is I'll, I'll find out about stuff, and it'll say like it'll talk about hey, this is you know by end of month or start rolling out. Right yes. key phrase there, start rolling out or begin rolling out to uh, tenants. And so I'll I'll put a reminder like two months in advance because what happens is we'll get all this flurry of activity of Microsoft talking about something that's not yet available. It's coming out end of Q1, and then you have to wait for the tenants to to receive those and you know, even as a, uh, uh, you know, a a kind of a first ring or or whatever it is. So my tenant should get these features earlier, but I'll have these reminders because otherwise all this, this flurry of conversation around the feature, I'll forget completely about it. It'll come out. And then months after that, be like, Oh yeah, I'll see somebody else asking about a feature. It's like, Oh, it's been available for months. Like I haven't seen it yet. Haven't played with it yet. It didn't uh, for whatever reason. So yeah, yeah,
1: I, no, I think the, uh, you, you say that and I kind of chuckle because um, one of my Office 365 tenants, uh, because it just gets used for uh, test and development features and whatnot, uh, I don't actually receive email from it. Um, I'll go into email to play with groups and like send messages from fake people back and forth to myself just so you've got some you know, dummy data and see how things work. But I swear the uh, the main account on there gets more email than anything else just because it'll be the little updates that are like, oh, emergency update being pushed this weekend. You will now see this change in Teams. And it's like, huh, okay, uh, neat. Um, and I think literally that thing probably gets 12 emails a week from Microsoft just about the different changes that are going on inside the tenant. It's just
0: a little yeah. unnerving. With Azure as well is the system oh. was down. It's like, oh, it went down twice and was restored all while I was asleep, thank you. Right, you know. and DNS still works, yay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, uh,
1: that piece of it though, the alerts and notifications, You know, as an administrator or an architect, that's terrific. You have that insight. I think on the end user side of it though, like, hey wait, where'd my cheese go? Where'd that button go? Uh, that's the one piece I still feel like at least when uh, the cloud side of things that we're still struggling with, um, to keep folks informed, and so you talk about first ring um, and wanting to see those updates immediately corporate users uh they're usually on i'll call it you know planet nine um, far far away uh they orbit the sun you know what is it every so many earth years uh, and get those updates and so it'll be like every six months they'll get an update and usually by that point um most people have probably forgotten about it and whatever that neat widget is. Um, so, uh, you know, there is that that flip side of keeping folks up to date uh, and alert that something's going to be coming out that might be useful or uh, something breaks and because they don't get updates but on that regular basis of every six months, functionality suddenly is lost. So, and then you mix the mobile side of it and it just gets even crazier. So,
0: yeah, it's it's a uh well. I think uh, so. I've got one client now where I'm doing a bunch of content that's specifically around the change management, and I mean that's that's where we are. We live in a change management world. I I mean I used to talk about that in uh, the the migration space. Yeah, migration. It's like it's not a one time thing. Nobody ever just did a migration one time. You move from system A to system B. They have an org change, and then you have some other restructuring, and then you have another new tenant or you do an acquisition. I mean, there's constantly the movement of data across the, the systems, but now with all these new features and capabilities and a lot of the flexibility, it's getting easier The the old migration, it's getting easier to do a lot of those same activities. But then again, we have tons more data there's just a, a lot happening and our end users are getting more advanced and, uh, <laughs> and so they're they're making requests that they you know five years ago they didn't know to, you know to 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 make requests about they they have some idea around the logic of the workflows that they need to put together they they have an idea of what is accessible via the APIs via the the graph for example to pull out of that but they've started thinking about how you know how how they can get the more effective you know uh, uh, stats and data out of the system and learn from those things. And so, um, you know, it, it's uh change management is a, it's just a reality of modern IT. That's, that's the world we live in. Yeah.
1: I, so I don't personally work for my company's internal IT and mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain, uh, they love me because I'll come talk to them about some of the new things coming out, how we might be able to, help folks make use of them throughout the company uh, and things that I think would really you know, help folks make, uh, make the investment that they've made already uh, all the better. Upside, um, I'm pretty certain that uh, usually they'll see an email pop in or a Teams message pop up on the little toast in the bottom of the corner of their screen and they'll go, oh no, it's a note from Dan. What's it going to say? Uh, just because, you know, the flip side of it is I'll go in and I'll ask for strange things that exchange has on the back end, and they'll say, oh, no, 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 that's not within policy. We can't do that. (laughs) Uh, so being the, uh, the guy that also plays with these things with customers and clients and having worked through many of the different things. Yeah. Uh, they, they love the fact that, you know, new capabilities and features will bring to the plate and say, Hey, we got to get these out sooner rather than later to help people um, but also, when it's the, you know, it's got this feature, you could turn it on. It would be so much better if we did this. And uh, of course, I, I forget that there's a bunch of employees that that would then impact, and you'd have a, another change management problem, and people would be scratching their heads going, What happened to my inbox? So,
0: yep. Yeah. Little, little pains for this. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, Dan, so kind of switching topics here. Yeah. Did I, I'm trying to remember? Did Did you indicate that we might see you at the MVP Summit this year?
1: Is that uh, it, probably? Let's see. When is that? That's March. Yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, I'm. I don't know, man. Uh, Plains and I—we're still not good nah. friends.
0: That's um, what, for those people that know no Dan. So, like, so my time I, first, and I'll do this in the air, air quotes. You know, meeting Dan. Was um, people walking around SharePoint Conference 2009 with yep. your face on uh, foam core with a stick, like little little uh, Dan Usher signs. Yep, walking around taking selfies with Dan, and uh, it, it, that was hilarious. I carried that around for a couple hours. Didn't hadn't met you, <laughs> but, you know, but I just thought it was hilarious and. Uh, yeah.
1: I think the uh, the three folks that were the instigators for that primarily uh, were Fabian Williams, Eric Kraus, and uh, Paul Swider. So yeah, uh, I think my favorite photo that I got back was probably um, somebody that I actually work with that works in the state of Illinois, uh, standing in a bathroom holding it up in front of a mirror, and <laughs> then texting it to me, and me going, "Oh wow." Uh huh, okay. Um yeah, but no, uh I you know, as a as a kid, uh flew back and forth to Germany multiple times, lived out in Hawaii for a couple of years. Uh even, you know, as a as a working employee, um on random contracts here and there, flew back and forth to St. Louis uh a number of times. But yeah, usually lights and I were just uh a little jittery. Um did go out to Colorado last year, that was a blast. Uh, At one point, it was a little funny. Uh, You know how on the back of the seat it has um, kind of entertainment information and whatnot. You can see where you're at, little uh, plotted flight, and it says what your altitude and speed is. And then at one point, all of a sudden, it said that we were at uh, 130,000 feet. And I said, huh, I'm just gonna close my eyes, have some deep breaths, listen to a little bit more classical music, and pretend that that's just some technological error. Um and sure enough, you know, a couple hours later we arrived in lovely Denver, Colorado and went up to uh, the Rockies and had a great time. But uh yeah, I'm probably not going to be out there. Uh also for those that don't know, I've got a 2-year-old uh at home that a uh, requires a bit of chasing around. So yeah. as much as I would love to get out there, um probably not going to make it still. I'm starting to see uh i think you and andrew connell um have been uh, role models in the parental way um just in the sense of seeing you guys being able to hop around the country uh, as well as you do but still have time for family um for me I, i think right now Folks are it's, kind of wondering, It's hard where when they go? <laughs>
0: it, it's hard when they're little. And, and you know, honestly, it's one of the, the things I look back over my career. I spent so much of the time when my kids were little uh, commuting the Bay Area. It's why, one of the main reasons why we left California, uh, because we were a single income family. And so to give my wife and four kids a, a good life, we lived really far away from where all the tech jobs were. And so I commuted... Uh, I averaged close to three hours a day, um, and, uh, did that for a decade, the last decade. And we just finally said, you know, enough of that left. And, uh, so ha- haven't looked back at that, but, uh, yeah. It, three it, hours it, a day. Wow. Yeah. Well, it, that was you know, especially cause I, I had to cross a bridge for most of that decade, um. Yeah, you know, worked over on the peninsula in San Francisco proper down in San Mateo and Redwood city and Palo Alto. And, uh, yeah, I just don't uh, never do that again and no desire to go back to California anyway, but, uh, sure, but it's, uh, yeah. So now we're empty nesters. Um, but even, even so I've got uh, my fur babies. So and they are, I think much <laughs> more emotionally needy than my, uh, actual children ever were.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm curious, but how do you feel about, uh, Um, i guess it's microsoft ignite repointing down to what is this year new orleans
0: new orleans yeah so my first thought was uh so i've had some fantastic food experiences in new orleans uh it's going to be a bit more cramped and spread out i mean the hotel you know stuff but i love new orleans so uh, but again specifically the food down there (laughs) It's sure fantastic i so I'm, I'm looking forward i've got a couple places i don't know the names of them i just know where they are i've been there several times tech ed's <laughs> been there a couple times partner conference has been there uh, a couple times couple times yeah, yeah so um yeah I, I don't know the names of the places i just know where they are i still have pictures of them in facebook of where they are i took pictures of some of the food that i ate and i'm i'm looking forward to recapture some of that
1: yeah yeah there's some great places along bourbon street uh upstairs and some of the restaurants that i can definitely say were some of the finest cuisine i've had in the south and uh yeah for that uh, i would say new orleans is a great pick uh i i agree you. it's going to be a little bit spread out i have the concern of course that probably we've always had with orlando as well which is will a hurricane strike
0: but, uh that's the part of yeah. part of the world, yeah yeah, uh, Hey, I was advocating for uh, uh for Toronto again i I liked that location, but yeah, we're going to do, but uh, well, Dan, I really appreciate your time taking the time to uh to finally connect and uh yeah, man. talk shop, and if people want to find out more about you, get in touch with you. what's the best way that people can reach you
1: uh so they can find me on Twitter, no longer usher. Um, I haven't had it since 2013.
0: Yeah, we didn't even get into that story. That's right. Yeah. You used to be the holder of the usher, and then you got paid an undisclosed uh, amount to, uh, to, uh, to give it up.
1: Yeah, so you can't sell names on Twitter. Um, right. You can, uh, you can receive an administrative fee for the transfer. So what that means is what that means. Um, however, comma, uh, yes, I will use a comma in there uh the guy i think it's something like uh ted breaking news so it's not fully spelled out breaking news uh he had that cnn came knocked on his door said hey we want it and he said okay i'll give it to you as long as i can remain a consultant for you for social media and i think took like a 50 or 80 thousand dollar a year job um doing social media for cnn to run their twitter account for them which uh looking back i'm like man if I had been able to like work something out like that where I had free tickets or could go on tour, that'd be pretty crazy. Uh, If Um, you like
0: the music, sure.
1: Yeah. So you can find me out on, uh, on Twitter at binary brewery. Um, or, uh, you can find me out at danusher.com and email, uh, still seems to be the most resilient way. Just, uh, danusher at live.com. Very cool. Well, Dan. Cool. Well,
0: thanks for your time, and in, enjoy the, uh, the your day off and with the family. And we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks. <laughs>